you. That's me being responsible. That's called leadership. Get your Bible open. Let's get to it. Repeat the topic with me today, please. Say, building, building. a future. What you just witnessed is how you build one. You talk. You plan. You say something. I want to ask you about your family. I want to ask you about the kind of future you're building. I would argue that I, at seasons of my life, didn't understand how to build a future. I didn't understand a lot of basic things, but I've learned over time that sometimes you're praying a prayer that God can't answer because you're not doing your part. So what I want you to do is I want you to think with me over these next four weeks. There's five, I'm sorry, five weeks. There are five sermons that uh, I'm teaching in this Building a Future series. There's, there are three more to go, and we're going to start with our third one today. So repeat the, the first sermon with me, please. Say, your location. Your location. Second sermon, say, your frustration. your frustration. Third sermon, say, your source. Your source. The fourth sermon, say, your part. Your part. And then the fifth sermon, say, your gift. In order to build a future, you must know your location. That's what the first sermon was about. You've got to know where you are. And if you don't know where you are financially, if you don't know where you are, you will end up in a place you don't want to be. I argue that a lot of people don't know where they are. And, and I understand that as a father, I didn't know where I was for certain seasons of my fathering. I had to figure that out. As a pastor, I didn't know where I was. There are a lot of things that you just jump into and you just swim the best you can. And as you swim, you learn where you are. You learn your location. You learn, you learn when you work with people where they are. You can hire people to work for you, but you don't know where they are until you swim with them. Over the weeks and months, you learn that this person is better than that person. This person is stronger in this area than that person. And eventually, you start learning where people are located. That's what helps you do well. If you get your location wrong, if you think you're up here and you're not, you're down here. If you think that you are good at something and you're bad at it, you're not going to do well. So we talked about that in the first time. Second time we talked about frustrations. You, no matter where you are, you have to be deal with frustrations. You've got to manage them. That's part of life. And if you learn how to manage those frustrations, and they will come. It is a part of my life. I believe that God called me to be frustrated. There are moments when I absolutely don't know what to do. But out of that frustration, God sometimes moves me from foolish thoughts. There are things that I believe that were not wise, but it was in the pressure of frustration that I learned things. I learned you have to lead. I learned you have to speak up. I learned that there are a lot of things I learned, but I learned that by being frustrated. Thirdly, today we talk about your source. Who do you rely on? Who is the person that you trust? Today's big question is, who do you trust to provide your future? Who is the person? Now, a lot of self-help books, it's about you. You are the master of your destiny, you're told. To some degree, there's, there's, there's some truth to that. You, are, you play a great part in it. I, one of the great verses I love is in John where he said he's going to send a parakletos, a comforter, to help you. And the word comforter means a help. He's not going to do it all. There's a role you play. Can you say that with me, please? That there's a role, there's a role. I, play. I play. There's a role you play in health. You cannot just pray for good health. You have to do things that make yourself healthy. 
You can't just pray for money. You have, to, you, have to, you have to, listen to me, you have to want to make money. You have to want to have money. You have to, as a group, decide we're going to be prosperous. If you don't decide that, listen to me carefully, if you don't decide that, you won't be. You will never have it. You, you, can, you can feel bad, you can, whatever, it doesn't matter. You will never, ever have it, ever, ever, ever. If I can, if I can just kind of get something off my chest for a minute. Can I do that? If, if I bother anybody when I mention something about money, that, that's because you don't manage money. That's because you're not doing much. When you start managing millions of dollars worth of stuff and you have thousands of people, you'll say something or you'll be broke. You'll lead a bunch of people down the hole and they'll have nothing. And there'll be a foreclosure sign on their door and they won't be able to impact the world and they can't go anywhere and they can't send anybody anywhere because they are broke people. And broke, saved, sanctified people can't help anybody. Say amen if you hear me. Come on, give the Lord a big hand clap if you hear what I'm saying to you. So you have to have the courage and you have to have the confidence to step over people who don't get it. And you have to understand the power of engaging and building a future with a determined attitude. I will not live this way. I will not have this. I will not. I was in my house the other day. Yesterday, man, I cleaned up my garage. I'm getting stuff to throw away. Praise God. I went all in. I got a big storage area under my house. I got it all. When I was in there under my house organizing and, and sweating. And, and uh, I looked at my garage when I was finishing. It's neat anyway, but I, I made it neater. And I said, now, this is the trash pile, and this is the go to the Goodwill pile. And, and I, felt, I felt like Hercules when I finished. And you know, you know, I realized, I determined I will not, I will not have it look like that. I set my own standard. There's a moment in your life when you've got to say, and there's some other areas in my life I'm working on right now, because I'm determined. I will not accept it. Can you say that with me? Please say, I will not, I will not accept this. Accept See, that's what you've got to say to yourself. And you've got to say, I'm going to build a different future for myself. But, I, but in building a future, you've got to understand you are not the source. You're involved, but you're not the ultimate source. And I want to show you a story today. First verse, I did a story to illustrate this point. Psalm 127. Here's what it says. This is my, what I call my, my big point for the day. It's not what you have, but who you have. Unless the Lord, Psalm 127, builds the house. They labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. I have to realize that I can do all I'm supposed to do, pray, read, study, apply myself, live an integrous life, but I need the Lord. The Lord is my source. The Lord is my source. Can you lift your hand and say it with me? Come on, say, the Lord is my source. The Lord is my source. Come on. You can get an education. And there are a lot of educated people that are struggling. You can, get, you can work hard, but you need God in your life. You need God to help you. And so I want to show you a guy who, who demonstrates this in living color. His name is Achan. It's in Joshua chapter 7. And what I've done is I've divided this sermon a bit differently. Normally there's like three or four what they call main divisions or three or four main things. But what I've done is I've divided this into seven sections, and that's, there's a reason for this. 
Because if I, if, if I give it to you, if I just sit there and, and you see preachers do this, they'll read the whole story to you and then they'll recount it and just tell you what it meant. That's one way to approach it. And there's nothing wrong with that approach. But today I did what's called inverted order. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. Inverted order. That means you have verse 1, then you have verse 19. And then you have verse 2, and then you have verse 30. You follow what I'm saying? I inverted the order. The reason I do that sometimes is because I want you to see the main point first. I want to give you the punchline up front. I don't want you to wait. I want you to see exactly what we're talking about. So follow me along and watch this now. So this is how the notes are divided. Try it in your notes. First of all, it's going to explain how a guy named Aiken, who was one fighter, this was the guy who was on the front line of, of a fight. And, and let me explain the fight. The fight is in Joshua chapter 6 at a place called Jericho. In this place, this city, they were supposed to go in and fight. Well, there was this thing called the accursed thing. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. The accursed thing. When they went to Jericho, God said, guys, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go, but here are the rules of engagement. Here's what I want you to do. I want everything that you get in this first battle to belong to me. After that, you can, I'm not asking for everything, but in the fir, I want your first fruit to belong to me. Now, you got to understand, this is important because they had gone through 40 years in the wilderness. Their parents had died because of disobedience. So this was the first generation to really cross into the promised land. So watch what happens now. He points out to them that nobody is to take any of the stuff, but they're supposed to take it all because it's, a, it's, it's what they call devoted or consecrated. He calls it the accursed thing. He said, and I, the word he should be there, he took, this guy Achan took the, what was called the accursed things during the battle. The, the word accursed means something that was banned, devoted, or consecrated, something that was supposed to be a, the first gift to God. So let me say it again. Achan was the only guy out of thousands of guys who went to battle who saw something and he took it. When he took it, he took something that was called the accursed thing. The accursed thing meaning it was devoted. It was belonged to, to God. So let's say, for example, uh, you've had this experience, right? Uh, you have a blouse. Some of you women go through this more than guys, right? And you see your blouse going out the door, and you didn't tell it to go out. And it's on somebody else's body. You ever had that happen to you? And you say, uh, excuse me, excuse me. Hey, 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 hey. Shoes, blouse, wh wh where'd you get that? It, it matches. No, we didn't talk. That belongs to me. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. That belongs to me. Well, he, your, your child took it and is on the way to school with it. And you're late already. Can't change now. And so there's a moment where that's what happens in Joshua chapter 7. They're told in Joshua chapter 6, this is how you're supposed to do this. They burned the city, chapter 6, verse 24. And he says, only the silver and the vessels of bronze and iron, I want you to take those, and what are they supposed to do with them? Put them in the treasury. Come on, what do they do with them? I want to put that in the savings account. Now, I want you to know that God said, I want to be first. That's what they were told to do. One guy chose not to do it. Now, we're going to learn from this guy's life. We're going to learn why he did it. Now, I want you to please understand, number one, God wanted to, from the beginning, to build a treasury or savings. Churches, ministries, Christians, believers, 
really don't get that concept. And, and I need to do a whole teaching on this whole idea of saving and treasury and assets. You can talk a big talk, but if you don't have anything, you can't do anything. And, and what you really need to do in families where we're, we're struggling is everybody kind of pulls together. And that's what he told, shows Israel. He says, listen, the first battle, guys, we're going to save this. We're not going to go spend it all. I don't want you guys to take it home and divide it up. I want you to learn to work as a team. Your family, listen to me carefully, your family will never prosper if you don't get this concept. There's nothing wrong with the treasury. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. There's nothing In Louisiana, when the churches had these floods, several, several of them went out of business. They have no resources, no insurance, no cash, nothing. That is not God's will for your life. A lot of problems you wouldn't have if you had resources. You wouldn't have to pray and ask God for a miracle because you can just make a transfer. Come on, say amen. amen. That's, the, that, that's the way to live. Instead of having to wonder when the storm comes, can you even, do you even have gas money to get out of town? Treasury was God's first challenge to Israel. I want to save some. Move on. Number two, God funded the treasury with resources the people won in battle. Now, I want you to hear that. The way you were going to fund the treasury was they go fight and they bring, what, they bring a portion of that as a, as, a, as, a, as a way of saying thank you to God. God wanted to be the first one rewarded for the victory he gave them. Now, how that translates in your life is when you go out and you fight on your job, you go out and you, you battle, you, whatever you do, and you make resources, the Lord says, says I want to be first. I want to be first. And, and, and you see this when, in, in, in Abraham. When Abraham went and had this great battle, he delivered Lot. When he won in Genesis, he brought to Melchizedek an offering and said, I want to thank God for the victory. Now, that's, now you don't have to do this. Let me tell you something. Please don't hear this sermon and go, oh, no, I'm telling you what I believe the Bible teaches, and you can choose to do it or not do it. You can choose to believe it or not believe it. Here's what I believe, though. As a believer in Jesus, as a believer in the Word of God, this is God's way. This is the only way. This is the only way you can do. We as a church are going to be very multi-focused. Um, uh, We're going to have all kinds of great things coming down the pipe. You'll be impressed, I'm sure. Um, we, we understand that God can bless you through all kinds of ways, through businesses and through opportunities. But the main way God blesses the church, the main thing God called Israel to do, I want you guys to learn the power of giving. And so God said to them, I want you to, when you are rewarded in this first victory, I want you to bring me, bring me everything. Now, that was the only time he did that. He does not, as a norm, require you to give him everything. He only wants a portion. And, and I think it's really important to when we were reviewing this sermon earlier, they asked me that question. They said, well, Pastor, isn't it true that everything we have belongs to God? Yeah, it does. But, but he doesn't go around asking for it. He lets you own stuff. He lets you have stuff. He lets you. He, his problem with them was that they, one guy, not all of them, one guy made a decision. And listen to this important, this important balance here, number five in your notes here, number four rather. God viewed Israel as a corporate body that shared the responsibility as a group. So when God looked at Israel, what one guy did, we all did. And I want you to get this word corporate in your mind because that's how God deals with us. So there's, this, there's seven things that I want you to look at in just a minute that I think that we learn from Aiken's life about how God views the corporate church, how he views the corporate, the, the whole nation. And, and if, you, if you can see this, you will, 
you will learn a lot about your family because God does not just see you. He sees the temples, how the temples respond to God. So just for a minute, I want you to think about your last name. What is your last name? The question is, how do the what? Respond to God as a family, as a group. Now, before I do that, let me show you how Achan lost his way. Achan lost his way because Achan forgot his source. He did a good thing by going to battle, but when he got out on the battlefield, he forgot his source. Achan only trusted in his own ability to provide for himself. He saw these garments, he saw some gold, he saw some silver, and he took it, but he didn't have to. In that moment, in that brief moment, he trusted his own ability. He didn't trust that God would provide for him later. Thirdly, Achan put himself first after they won the battle. He ignored the nation, he ignored everybody else, he was selfish. And let me just say this to you, that's the one main reason why families struggle. Because they have the spirit and the attitude of Achan. They're not thinking about anybody beyond themselves. As a matter of fact, one of my favorite questions I like to ask people, if, if I want to know if you're really a generous person, I'll ask you, who do you support or give to that is not related to your family? Tell me somebody that can get up here and testify about your generosity and your grace in their life, and they're not related to you. In that moment, Achan forgot about everybody. In that selfish moment, Achan looked at the silver, looked at the gold, looked at some clothing, and he just didn't think about anybody but himself. He took it for himself, and he buried it in his tent. Now, let me show you how this all unfolds, and we're done. Okay? Lessons from the life of Achan. And you'll appreciate my seven simple structures here, sections. The first is from uh, Joshua chapter 7, verse 1. And here's the big lesson in that verse. Corporate, family, or business failure can start with one man. Or you can simply read it this way. Corporate failure can start with one person, one individual. Now, I put family or business in there because it applies. If you want to know why a business failed, generally there's, there's one person who starts the train. If a family fails, there's generally a person, a father who did not focus, a mother. There's, there, there's, there is something in this that they did not do, but I want you to see the power of one person. I can name families where one guy was a wrecking crew. Went through, molested, assaulted, amazing. Here's what the Bible says. Joshua chapter 7, verse 1. This is before Joshua knew anything, before he understood what happened. The Lord made a comment. The children of Israel committed a trespass regarding their cursed things. By the way, let me back up and say it another way. Joshua is writing this. And so as Joshua recounts it, he says, in the beginning, let me tell you what happened. The children of Israel committed a trespass regarding their cursed things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of, of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, names his whole family, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed things, so the anger of the Lord burned against who? <laughs> the whole family. One guy. Just think about it. Number, section number two. Now, this is, again, I'm jumping all the way to verse 19. Here's the second lesson you learn. Corporate accountability is necessary. Whether it be your family or your business, corporate accountability is necessary. That's in verse 19 through verse 21. Joshua said to Achan, now this is when Joshua confronts Achan. He calls him in and he talks to him. He said, my son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord God of Israel. Make confession to him. Now I'm only going to read the bold prints, okay, because that's where the big juice is, okay? Tell me what you've done. Here's what he said. I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel. True, okay? 
I, I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver, a wedge of gold, weighing 50 shekels. They are hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent with the silver under it. He admits what he's done. He knows he's sinned against God. He knows he's sinned against the people. He knows he's done wrong. He doesn't say I repent. He acknowledges he was wrong. But you don't see this wailing guy like when David sinned, this, this sense of, of true in-depth repentance. You just see, yeah, I did it. Yeah, I, I, I knew. I, I sinned against God. I sinned against you guys, I know. But this is a moment of accountability. In any organization for it to succeed, you've got to have this one. And, and there's something powerful about Joshua calling him into accountability. And, and then I want you to see the third section here, section three. Corporate judgment is inevitable. Whenever, whenever you don't do right, generally what you can do is look at the results, and that's what I tell people. Start with the results, then ask the questions. Can you say that with me? Please? Come on. Start with the results and then ask the questions. Now, here's, here's the results. The result is they're going to attack a small country. They just beat Jericho. When they went to attack the small country after beating Jericho, they feel powerful, they feel strong. And so they didn't know anything was wrong. And a lot of people don't know something's wrong. The only way to know something's wrong is to look at your results. That's the only way you're going to know. You, you, you know you, you always start with the what? Results. Look at verse 4. So they sent about 3,000 men. They went up from the people. Well, let's start at verse, verse 3. They returned to Joshua and said to him, Do not let all the people go up, at, uh, but let about two or 3,000 men go up to attack a city called Ai. Do not weary all the people, for the people are of Ai are few. So they sent about 3,000 men. They went up to fight Ai, and they lost. So I want you to get a picture of this. They attacked Jericho, and they win in chapter 6. That's like attacking Los Angeles. Then they attack Macon and lose. Or Jessup. That's even worse, right? So, so big cities they win, little cities they lose, and so he's he's so he's he's distraught. But <coughs> excuse me, but that's what happens when you're not doing what you should do. I like to tell people this: whenever people come to me, I always say, "Tell me your results first. Then, after you tell me your results, we talk about what happened." Don't, don't start with the testimony because you set me up with testimony. You get me crying first. My daddy was no good. My cat bit me. You know, you start all that. And I'll, I'll get lost in your story. You need to tell me I need $500 from you. Start with that. Get to the point. Tell me fast. I don't want to have long. Tell me you want $500 and tell me that this is your fifth time borrowing from five people and you didn't pay them back. Start with the result. Now, now nobody else will loan you any money because you don't pay anybody back. Come on, everybody say, start with the results. That's how you women get the wrong brothers in your life. They're telling you all their story. And some of these women tell all their stories. And, and you don't look at the results first. Let me tell me, tell me where you are first and we'll work it out. Okay, all right. Praise God. Enough said. On number four, right? Right. Corporate, corporate repentance means nothing without action. So let's follow the lesson. Number one, corporate failure starts with what? 
one man. Corporate accountability is necessary. You've got to have some point of accountability. Number three, corporate judgment is inevitable. Your family, my family, our church, your church, all of us, look at our results. There's a reason why churches don't have money. There's a reason why people don't come. There's a reason, there's a reason, there's a reason. There's a reason. Judgment does begin in the house of God. If we look at our families and we look at our lives, look at our businesses, why in the world could you be so close to God and it's a mess? How could you be so close to God and you cannot stay in a relationship? I want you to just pause and think about that for a minute. Every relationship ends in blaze of glory, every one of them. You should pause and say, my result, something must be growing here. And that's what God showed, showed, showed Joshua. This guy, there was something, Achan had done something, and it was the seed that needed to be confronted. And you wonder, did anybody know? People almost always know. The Bible doesn't say, but you know people probably know. People can, I, I'm not, it doesn't say, but I mean, come on. Most times you take something, you show somebody. Look what I find. And then how do you bury it in your tent nobody in the house see the whole pump in the ground? I'm, I'm just saying. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'll look in the library when I get to heaven. All right, number four. Uh, all right, what, number four or number five? Number four. Corporate repentance means nothing without action. Now look at the bold prince. Joshua's praying. He's all upset. They lost the battle. AI beat him up. He couldn't understand why making one. He couldn't understand. Why do you lie thus? This is in, in chapter uh, 7, verse 6 through 12. Look at the bold print here. Why do you lie thus on the floor? Israel has sinned. They've transgressed my covenant. They have, they have, they've even taken of the accursed things and both stolen and deceived. Say that with me. Come on. They've stolen and deceived. They have also put it among their own stuff. The children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies because they have become doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the accursed thing from among you. You can't take my stuff and then not be a result. That's what he says. Now, I've seen this, and I want to say a couple of things. This is 35 years of experience. This is just my, don't take it wrong. Nobody read anything into this. I'm not talking about anybody because I don't talk about people. I talk to people. So if I ever have any, one thing about me, you never have to worry about me talking about you up here. I will call your number. I got everybody's phone number. If you signed up in this church, I'll call you personally. And if you know me long enough, I, I mean, I, and I do it in love, but I will. I don't ever talk because it's cheap shot. I'm not taking a cheap shot. Come on, say amen if you I'm not taking a cheap shot. I'm just making a 35-year experience. I'm just my experience. I've noticed that people who give the least ask the most. They won't give that. And, and what's really amazing is there's, there's this almost a block. This guy is not thinking about anybody else. He's taking something that belonged to God and he's put it with his own stuff. This is my, 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 this is my conviction. That does not belong to me. That belongs to God. Everybody else got it but this one guy. And because he didn't get it, everybody got dragged into the same hole with him. So here's, here's my view. When I first receive resources, the first thing I do, again, no pressure on you, just, just me. 
I honor God first. I have this first thing. First thing I do in the morning is pray. Last thing I do at night is pray. I'm not trying to be spiritual. I'm not trying to press you because you're not around. That's just my life. There's something powerful that happens when I get money, and he gives me money, and I honor him first. I don't call him when I need money. I call him when I have money. Say amen if you hear me. Come on, I call him when I have it. And so, so I want you to understand, this is a guy now, he's, he's taking God's stuff and put it with his stuff. That's how I feel that when I keep money, that, that I, I feel like this is God's money. I earned, but this is, I, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't keep this. I, I mean, I'm really, really, that's why I like text to give, because I can do it fast before the devil trick me. Come on. <laughs> this is God's stuff. I want to honor him. He blessed me with this extra thousand or five thousand dollars or whatever he gave me. And I want to honor you with this five hundred dollars. I want to say thank you, Jesus, for this five thousand dollars you gave me. I went to a place one time and a guy heard my sermon. This is a true story. He heard my sermon and he liked it. He was so impressed. And he gave me this little envelope, little check. He put it in my hand and I said, thank you, brother. He said, man, I really enjoyed you so much. And he, I put it in my pocket. I went and I almost threw it away. And I was, you know, I went back to the hotel. And I was open and it was a $5,000 check. I danced in the four minutes. Yes, I did. I thanked the Lord. For, I wrote him a card, sent it to his house. Thank you. God bless you. May the Lord bless you. <laughs> what? And I tied my $500. kept 45. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, amen. I honored God first. That boy didn't have to give me that money. You almost want to say, now nah, I got two more sermons now. You know, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Take that. Room. But I mean, you so, I'm so, was so thankful. I was so thankful. So here's, here's what I want you to know. Notice that this, in this moment where, 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 where this guy puts his stuff with God, now here's lesson number five. I'm going to move on. Corporate research is key. Now, this is, this is where God does not tell Joshua, I'm impressed with this, God does not tell Joshua who the guy was. He had to research it. Here's what, here's what God told him in chapter 7, verse 13. What, what's the first thing he said? Get up. Sanctify the people. You shall be brought according to your tribes. And it shall be that the tribe which the Lord takes shall come according to the families. And the family which the Lord has shall come by household. And the household which the Lord takes uh, shall come by man. So he says, I want, I want you to understand this. I'm sorry, I skipped down. I, I'm ahead of myself. I did. Don't worry. At least you, you know I'm lost. Okay, here you go. <laughs> Verse 13. See, if you didn't have notes, you would know I'm lost, right? See? See? So be thankful. Be thankful. All right. Here we go. Get up and search your camp. You've got to go look for it. I'm not telling you where it is. Think about it. Go hunt it down. And search by, here we go, tribe, by family, by household, by man. There's an accursed thing among you, but you got to find it. I'm not telling you. That's your responsibility. Now, I, 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 I pause and I think to myself, wow. He wants me to feel responsible. Not the pastor's job. I mean, it's, just, it, it's, it's not my job. It's your job. It's your family, your life, your future. I've seen, in, in the years I've been here, probably six or 7,000 people have been members of this church, and about 3,200 of you are here. People cycle in, cycle out, and they should. I don't want you to stay here forever, please. You know, don't all leave at one time now, but you know. I <laughs> <laughs> so come back next week, some of y'all, okay? <laughs> but, but, but I believe that part of my responsibility is to get you to take charge of your life. I close with a story. I went to a friend of mine's church. 
and, and he's, he's an interesting guy. Uh, and uh, he, uh, I went to church to preach. And uh, when I went there to preach, uh, it's a big church, and uh, it's Gateway Church in, in Dallas. And, and Robert and I met uh, through, I was preaching in L.A., a big conference and he, and for, for Daystar or something, and he, he came in the back room and he said, so, so who are you, and why did they ask you to preach? That was his first question. But the first thing he said, and I know who he was, never seen him a day in my life. And he said, I said, well, they felt sorry for me. They didn't want to give me a chance. <laughs> so he gave me a high five. We became fast friends. And, and, and here, here's what's interesting. So he said, I want you to come to Dallas. I want you to preach. So, so he, and, and you, matter of fact, you can go on our website. If you go to rickytemple.com, click on, um, I think it's uh, on the road with the pastor. I posted it the other day. I went back and dug it out and put it up on the web. It's great. Anyway, so. So when I, when, I, when I went there, the first time I went there, I said, I, said, uh, I was trying to give an offering, and, and they didn't have any, any offering um, envelopes. And I thought, I think I told the story before, but I, I was surprised. And I thought, well, gee whiz. So I told his guy, I said, you, you got to give people envelopes. It's hard to find one around here. And he said, he said, well, he said, well. And I said, well, Robert, I said, measure what? I said, what, what is it that you, and he says this publicly, so it wasn't anything private. He said, uh, I said, well, Robert, I said, well, what did you guys spend a year? He said, well, we, we spend about $25 million a year, right? But we take in about thirty-five. I said, I'm getting rid of every envelope I got. In Jesus' name, I'm going to throw every envelope. <laughs> oh, God Almighty. Now, they just built a $110 million building. I was just saying it last past Wednesday. And they've taken over $100 million a year. Now, here's, here's, here's the deal. Here's the deal. When I left that building the first time, when I left the first time, here's what, here's what I said. It's their responsibility. No offering envelope when you come in, nothing like that at all. So I tried that with y'all one Wednesday night, and y'all kept walking right past the buckets. I said, I said, no, you better keep passing the plate, Jesus' name. No, they ain't got it yet. They don't have the vision. They don't have vision. We got to grow to that point. We ain't there yet. But I want you to hear the point, though. God told Joshua, I'm not telling you where it is. Research it. I want you to find where your weakness is. I want you to find a way. I want you to understand the power of your responsibility. And that's what I left Gateway thinking that first time. What's my role? I want to raise a congregation of people who understand their role. Not something I force you to do. It's got to be your vision. Somebody asked me the other day, said, and I'm doing this this Wednesday night. I'm teaching the young people, by the way. You should bring them high school, middle school. You want to bring them. I'm talking about, excuse me, sex. say that in church. <laughs> Here is one of the things that I said when they asked me about doing this. My daughter asked me, she said, I said, Dad, I said, baby girl, let me tell you something. You need conviction. You, you need, if you don't have the conviction that this is not what you should do before marriage, I can't make anybody not do it. Because let me tell you, it's everywhere. It's around you in the water, all around you. There's no way you're going to be strong and not fall into it because it's everywhere. It's on your phone. It's on your iPad. I said, baby, it's like standing in the middle of water and not being wet. If you want to be strong in the Lord, you've got to decide. If you want to be a giver, you've got to decide. If you want to be unique, you've got to decide. Or you can be like Achan and abandon all the values you were taught. And when you do, next week I'm going to show you what happens. It never, listen to me, stops with you. 
Your family, and I gave you a little hint, you can read it on your own in the notes. Your family suffers when you make that decision. When you make the decision to compromise your values, I'm going to talk about how you become a part of your family's destruction. Remember your part in this. When you forget your part, your family, and all, listen to me, all who trust you will suffer. When you forget your part, all of the people who submit to you, your children, your grandchildren, it will follow you. People ask me when I talk about doing grandfather research, let me tell you what I learned. The grandfather has the great impact on the financial future of their families. A granddaddy has the ability to turn a lot of things around if he's focused and engaged. I didn't study grandmamas, let them study on their own. <laughs> I only looked myself up. And I believe there's something about a man who stands up in the family and says, as for me and my house, like Joshua did, we will serve the Lord. Come on, say amen. We will serve God and we will be prosperous and we will be victorious. If I'm right about it, do me a favor. Stand up on your feet one time. Put your stuff down now. It's time to praise God. It's time to tell God yes. It's time to say I'm going to be different. Come on, give God a big shout. Come on, shout. Father, we lift our hand today to you. You are our source. We will not let anything make us forget who we trust, who died for us, who provides for us. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain. And so, God, today we come thanking you, honoring you, praising you, worshiping you, believing that your hand is on us, believing that your call is on our lives. May men in this room get ignited by fire. Light a fire under them. Let the Spirit of God bring conviction and strength, confidence, faith. If you're going to say where you stand, say where you stand. Declare you will not tolerate this. I want you to look at me. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to confess something to you. I was praying about something yesterday I'm, 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 gonna, I'm doing in my life that I want to be straighter. And I realized that I'm going to have to delegate that business to somebody else. I am so busy and my life has so much going on that if I want that to be successful, I have to delegate that. And I began to pray about how. And I've been praying about it for about a day or two and I've got a plan. Can't do it by myself. Some of you need to get help. Let somebody help you. You'll never be successful. I just finished a book. My part of it. Now I give it to a team and then they edit it. And we do this whole edit thing. But I did my part. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let somebody help you. Father, we thank you today for the service. We leave, we leave with our faith strong. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here and you say, Pastor, after hearing the message, I realize that I need help. I need Jesus in my life. What you said today spoke to me in so many ways. He is the source I need. If you want to trust God the way I described today, 
you want to ask him to come into your heart and life and be the Lord of your life, I want you simply to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. I see one, I see two, three, four, five, six. Raise them high so I can know what I'm talking about. Seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven people, twelve, thirteen, God is good. Father, I lift up all those who raise their hands, many who raise their hearts. I pray for those who are home. I pray that the Spirit of God would touch them. I pray that everyone whose hands lifted would feel your presence today. That this would be the beginning of a walk with Jesus that's strong. A walk that would end up in a place that I and that, that, that we'd never imagined. But we thank you for your grace and your forgiveness. In Jesus' name. Can you pray this prayer? Say, Lord, in Jesus' name. This is the day I start building a future with you are my source, and I invite you in my life. Thank you for dying for me and providing forgiveness in Jesus' name. Amen. Now give God a big hand clap. For you.